Warning, the following program contains subject matter not suitable for a younger audience. It contains offensive language and opinions. Stop it, you're acting like a child. Greetings, ghouls. It's time to discuss, disgust, and dissect. Horror. No normal mind can imagine. I'm gonna die here. Aren't you drinking? I never drink. Why? Fucking dead bastard. And now, introducing our hosts, the gruesome twosome, Mike and Jeremy. We are Feathers of the Dead. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Welcome to Fans of the Dead. I'm Mike. I'm Jeremy. And uh, how you doing, bro? Doing good, doing good. The uh, little one's off from school today for one of those uh, teacher training days that we never had. But uh, no, I'm excited, excited to do this movie. Yeah, me too, man. I actually watched it again last night with the uh, director commentary just to refreshify my memory. Huh. It was actually a little bit boring. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I was like going more, mostly going through my notes and half-heartedly listening because my uh, my fantasy team got destroyed. So I turned off football and switched over to that. Yeah, I think mine snuck one out this week. I'm not having a good year this year. I'm leading the division, but it was a horrible game. I needed over 130 points to win last night. I'm leading the bottom of my division. You're leading the bottom of your division. I'm leading the bottom. Okay. All right, so this episode, Return of the Living Dead, probably the first zombie movie I ever saw. Yes, it is uh, definitely, definitely a classic. Um, they did, what did they do, two, two or three sequels off of this? There were five. Five? Five, yeah. So the first three... Uh, Return of the Living Deads were pretty entertaining. I can't speak for the other two. I hear they were kind of rushed. They were filmed back to back. But the uh, the last one, Rave, Rave from the Grave or something like that, it had Tarman back in it again, kind of as like a, in like a comedy role. He's like <laughs> hitchhiking to try to get to a party the whole movie. Yeah, I, start, I, start, I remember renting the third one from... Uh... Uh, God, what was the the video store near? Uh, uh, video craze. No, it wasn't that one. It was near Clockwork Pizza. No, oh, I don't know. Right. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, there were there were sequels, but the first one was definitely the most serious. The producer of the movie, John Russo, actually co-wrote this. He wrote a novel for it, but it's very loosely based off that. So he gets a co-writing credit. He co-wrote Night of the Living Dead with George Romero. And they split ways. George went on to do Dawn and all the other ones. They actually had a legal battle. And John Russo ended up with the Living Dead title for his films going forward. So that was a whole, whole battle there. This is a recipe for disaster. In honor of this movie, there's a shot called 245 Trioxin. 
by Charles Koikendall of The Independent in Boston. They have a uh, contest every year. They do, I think, 10 different drinks from 10 different upscale bars, and they all are horror-themed. So this was 2,4,5-trioxin, which is the chemical that brings back the zombies in the movie. Yep. And just listen to the ingredients of this. One egg white, one scant bar spoon of activated charcoal powder, <laughs> one and a half ounces of stolen smoked rum, half ounce of St. George spiced pear liqueur, and three quartered ounce of pepita or jatte, and then a <laughs> three quarters ounce of lime juice. <laughs> you gotta have, I mean, you gotta have lime juice. <laughs> you gotta have something that tastes good in that mixture. <laughs> so, I didn't get out to the independent, but our resident bartender Lloyd did his best to make me up one. And uh, let me just tell you, there's probably a reason he was not one of the three finalists. <laughs> it, it could wake the dead, this drink, and I guess maybe that's the point. I mean, was, was it just a little smoky, bitter, just all around terrible? Yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was smoky, but it was terrible. Terrible. <laughs> all right. Well, we know what not to get next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. I think he'll be making a different drink next year if he's uh, in the running. All right, so you want to get right into it? Let's get into it. All right, so we start the movie, let's say, uh, Seven Punks, I believe, if my count's correct. Uh, was it seven, six or seven? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's already, that's a lot for a movie, a lot of characters to get introduced to. Right. But obviously, with a movie like this, you need people to get killed. So, you know, it's hard to remember everyone's name. But it doesn't really matter if they're getting their brains chewed out. Yeah, it was it was finally I think it was about three quarters of the way through the movie, I kinda of finally like realized like who each person was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they all have funny names like uh trash, scuzz, spider, suicide. Suicide. Suicide, who was uh he, he was in Friday the thirteenth, part five. The the one people like to write off every now and then, but he was Vic at the beginning, who uh the the, the fat kid tried to give the chocolate bar to. Oh, okay. So he he killed that kid. Joey. Joey. That was his name. Joey. Which kind of sparked that whole movie. That was the point of the movie, right? That, that was because that was the um, rip-off Jason's son. Roy. Roy, yes. That was Come a good on, one. Roy. Get your hands dirty. Wasn't, that, wasn't Spider in one of the Jasons? Or am I... Same, same movie. Same movie. Okay. Same movie. He was he was in the outhouse because he had uh, the damn enchiladas. <laughs> That's right. I mean, a lot of these people. Uh, well, I mean, a lot of these people jump around anyway. Tom Matthews, the dude that played Freddy, he was Tommy in uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Yes, one of my favorite. Uh, actually, probably my favorite in the series. Yeah. So he he actually is in the sequel to Return of the Living Dead, and he's in Killer Clowns. I feel like yep. he, he's like always playing pretty much the same character, but yeah, he's yeah, pretty much like a lovable oaf kind of punk guy. Yeah. All right, so we got we got the punks. They're hanging out 
in Resurrection Cemetery. Great name for the cemetery. So they're hanging out there waiting for Freddy to get out of work. He, it's his first day on the job at Unita Medical Supply. Great, great title for a name. Yeah. You need a half a dog? You need a <laughs> butterfly pinned to a wall? You need an animated corpse? We got it. Come down to You Need a Medical Supply and see Bert and Frank. And now Freddy. So yeah, so it's his first day. So of course, you know, he's, you know, they're, they're show, he's, uh, Frank is showing him around, all that stuff. And one thing I kind of noticed, he's like showing him, you know, human skeletons and things like that. They looked awfully clean to be, you know, actual human skeletons. They were really white. Well, I'm sure they bleached them. Well, I don't know. Didn't seem, didn't seem very uh, human, you know, real like to me. Well, they didn't have Tom Savani making skeletons, okay? I'm sure they are just plastic skeletons. But it's interesting fact why they had the skeletons in there and the, uh, the perfect teeth. Oh, so, yeah. So uh, Dan O'Bannon, the director and also co-writer for the movie, he's boys with Toby Hooper of Texas Chainsaw Massacre fame. And Toby Hooper was talking about how all these medical schools get these skeletons. And they're all from India, and they all have perfect teeth. And they were talking, like, how many people do you know die with perfect teeth? They actually used some of that dialogue in the movie. But yeah, so they they were talking about how there must be some kind of skeleton farm over there. And, you know, obviously that's going to be something shady. And I guess after this movie, they couldn't get... Uh, schools couldn't get the skeletons anymore. They they were shut down or something. So this movie might have actually caused some good and saved some lives. Oh. Which is pretty funny. A movie, a movie like this, you know, like... It's pretty awesome. Yep. All right, so Freddy's getting his little grand tour. And his girlfriend, who seems very out of place with these punks, although she's kind of dressed like maybe she's kind of punk, but I think she's just there because she's dating Freddy, and she yep. she gets stuck with the group. Yeah, she was definitely the one that didn't look like she quite belonged just yet. No, she didn't have, like, dyed hair or any kind of noticeable face jewelry. <laughs> so they're all drinking in, this, in the... Uh, the cemetery. They're waiting. We get uh, Trash doing her foreshadowing speech about, do you ever fantasize about being killed? That was, uh, yeah. Yeah, she, she seems like she's got a bit of a freaky side. Which is funny because it's definitely a facade. Right. So she's just like talking about death. She's like, I fantasize about being eaten by a bunch of old men. Which, you know, she gets to live out that fantasy later in the movie. We'll get to that. It's true. But she, yeah, she just talks about death and she's got this, like, dark voice. She takes her clothes off. She strips. She actually runs around most of the movie naked. I'm pretty Not, sure she was naked uh, the whole time. Because when she was a zombie, she was st- she's still naked. Still naked, yeah. Not complaining, but just saying, you know, she's definitely trying very hard. Right. When she's actually running for her life towards the end, that's when we see the real trash. Like, she definitely lets the facade down. She's scared. She seems vulnerable. 
And it's like, it just goes to show you, Linnea Quigley is a great actress. And, you know, she's not just there for eye candy. Right. Although she's that too. This, this is true. So also, uh, they bring, uh, Frank brings Freddie downstairs where, um, I don't think they noticed, but uh, there was a dead girl in the icebox. A dead girl in the icebox? Yeah, well, the freezer, whatever. Yeah, there was one kind of like hanging out. Oh, like hanging by the hooks? Yeah. That wasn't a girl. It was a guy? Yeah, it was clear. I can't read my own writing. Clearly a guy. Yeah. I mean, there's no proof, if you know what I'm saying, but I'm pretty sure it was a guy. But rewind a a few seconds to uh, Frank telling Freddie the whole story about how he has these canisters in the basement. There was a government mix-up, and they ended up here. They're from what actually happened to inspire the movie Night of the Living Dead. And they're talking about that is a true story. And even at the beginning of the commentary of this movie, Dan O'Bannon states that this is a true story. Yep. So he's definitely a liar. Yeah. Big liar. So they're holding they're holding these um, these bodies in these canisters. Of course, Freddie says these you know these this don't leak, right? Like it doesn't leak. Of course, Frank being. You know, Frank, of course it doesn't leak. This was made by the United States Army, and he gives it a good whack. The Corps of, of Engineers. <laughs> so, of course, the first thing it does is leak like a sieve. Oh, yeah. Blast them in they... the face with what was actually sulfur gas. Yep. So I guess it stunk horrible. So, like, their reactions are probably pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, they get knocked out, and they get knocked out for quite a few hours because... When they wake, it's it's nighttime, and they, they already look like shit. Right. They're covered in sweat. They're pale. They've got too much eye makeup on. It, it's just it's just all bad. You can tell something something not right is going on. Yeah. So the smoke wakes up the bodies that were in the freezer, and it seems like you know they, they get their they get their stuff back together, but Frank just seems over the top, a little little over the top in his uh, reacting. Well, Frank's kind of a pussy. Actually, I kind of, my note here is Frank equals tremendous pussy. (laughs) Yeah, so let's talk about uh, James Caron, the guy who plays Frank. He's he's a great actor. Like, you see him randomly as a character actor here and there. But Dan O'Bannon, the director himself, was supposed to play Frank. But this guy came in and auditioned, and he's like, all right, you you know what? Uh, there's no way I'm going to do it now. You have to be Frank. Yeah. So, yeah. So he came in and, and did that. So, yeah, he, did, he does a great job of playing a pussy, I guess, in this. He was also, uh, he was, uh, I believe he was in Poltergeist also. I think so, yeah. So, anyway, so they call up Bert, the owner of the warehouse, to come down because they fucked up. Yeah. And he comes down there. They reveal that. Like so, first of all, the butterflies pinned to the wall are flapping around. The half dogs, everything is reanimated. So they got the body trying to escape out of the freezer, and they strategically let him out and try to destroy his brain, like they did in Night of the Living Dead, because that's all they have to go on of knowledge of zombies. But that doesn't work. Because zombies can't be killed. And this is my favorite part of the movie. I've had nightmares for years about zombies. 
and zombies can't be killed by killing their brain. And that's awesome. They have to be they have to be burned, correct? Yeah, the body has to be completely destroyed. Yeah. Uh, I think Bert even says it, you, you know, you you chop it up and the pieces will still keep coming after you. Which is terrifying. Yes. So they call or Bert calls his friend Ernie. Yes. Bert and Ernie. <laughs> Which supposedly was unintentional. That just happens to be another fun mistake. <laughs> so Ernie runs a mortuary and he's actually in the morgue embalming a body when Bert creeps up behind him. Ernie is blaring some Nazi music. <laughs> it was actually a, a subplot that Ernie was a, a like a Nazi hiding out in America. And let's see. I know. So, yeah. So the gun he uses, a Walter P-38. There's a picture of Ava Braun on the wall behind him. And what he was listening to was actually a Nazi battle hymn. Panzer Roland in Africa war. You got to like say it like German. Panzer Roland in Africa war. <laughs> it didn't sound German at all, but it, yeah, no. you get you get the gist. This dude is a Nazi. He's not cool, but he, he, uh, he knows his way around a crematorium. So I guess uh, that's how he got this job. Yep. I'm sure he didn't put Nazi on his resume. No, probably not. <laughs> probably not. He might have left that out of the uh, application. <laughs> oh, another thing I noticed. So they keep showing the times, like on text on the screen. Yep. And when they are just like filming around, the clocks on the wall are always accurate. To, like, I noticed that. Yeah, so I noticed that. That's that's weird. That's weird shit that I always like look for when they do that. So like if you know if I see a clock on the wall, I'm always looking to see if they you know, like are accurate with that. Yeah, the continuity is on point in this movie. They took a lot of time setting the scenes, and I mean the only interior places are the the mortuary and the warehouse. Oh, and the the generals or colonels' house, right. which, which they just used a, a random house. They didn't even do anything except put that giant computer in there. So, right. But the the warehouse they put together and the mortuary, which was the hardest part of this. Like, remember in uh, Frank's office, the eye chart on the wall? Yes. This was great. I, I had to pause and I'm like, you know what? I wonder if they did something with this. So I pause it and it says, Bert is a slave driver and a cheap son of a bitch. And then I had... Yeah, I couldn't quite read the uh, bottom of it, so you sent it to me. And so it was cheap son of a bitch who's going bald too. Ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, yeah, that's just another thing that they, they put there because every scene, they, they wanted something. Like, they're, they're dressing up everything. So it was like right. great attention to detail in this movie. Like that's not something everyone notices, but it's a, a fun thing to notice. Right. So Ernie, so Ernie burns the uh, the body and the half dogs. Or uh, well, I think they were, yeah, they were just rewind a second because first they lie to him and tell him that they're rabid weasels and they need, uh, and they need to be burned because it's bad for business if people find out that rabid weasels were there and he first he thinks oh that's cool let's let's bring them out of the parking lot and shoot them and like he's gung ho <laughs> on just like shooting these things. 
monster. So so he burns he so he figures you know they figure it out, burns the body of the half dogs, and then the smoke from the creation cremation. Um, I actually thought this was pretty cool, uh, cool idea. You know, smoke from the creation, which is now you know tainted with you know whatever it was that two four five trioxin. Yes, um, gets into the rain, and so now that's what you know sends down or rises the uh, the zombies. Yeah, the the acid rain, and they're all pointing out how oh the rain burns, and yep. they're all trying to get shelter. And this is the one part of the movie where Trash actually puts on something because she, she's wearing someone's jacket over but her. She was, still, she was still naked though. No, she's still naked, but she's wearing it like a like a shawl real quickly. And they go back to Suicide's car, put up the top, 1960 Cadillac El Dorado. Yep. Which he beautiful, completely beautiful. covered in spray paint and like the most horrible tags. <laughs> But, but anyway, uh, yeah. So the ceiling ends up ripping and water's getting in on them. So then they split up again. So we have half of them go into the cemetery and the other half go to the warehouse because that's where Freddy is and maybe he can help. Right. They don't know that Freddy is over at the mortuary. Right. So I believe, well, wasn't it um, Freddy's girlfriend went back uh, to his work? I thought it was just her that went along. Well, because the group of them end up going down into the basement and uh, finding Tarman, probably the most famous of all zombies. Yes, but she managed to escape after she fell through the stairs. Right, that, that third step is a bitch. Always. Mind that third step. Yeah, so... So they go back down there. Suicide gets killed. Tarman eats him. And this is the first time that we hear a zombie talk. Brains! Life! Brains! Which is pretty cool because this actually changed pop culture because now people associate zombies with eating brains. And it's because of this movie. Right. Yep. One one thing that I actually uh, I read was that the uh, Dan O'Bannon actually paid extras a bonus to eat real calf brains in the film. Yes, he actually ate the calf brains himself. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, because no one was willing to do it. All right, and I've, I've eaten uh, calf brains myself. It was my birthday, and Walking Dead was, like, coming back from, like, mid-season or whatever. So we bought calf brains, and I breaded them up and deep-fried them, and we ate them while watching Walking Dead. <laughs> Let me tell you, at first they were delicious, but eating brains, knowing that you're eating brains while watching people get ripped apart on on TV is just, We ended up throwing away a good amount of brains, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Alright, so Tarman, he can use tools, he he uses the pulley to open the uh the locker where Tina's hiding. She ends up escaping up the stairs. And then coming across the other group. Yeah. And she gets increasingly angry at Bert because of what he did to them. And like, what did you do to them? They're like, well, these these idiots kind of just were messing around in a basement. And then they sucked in a bunch of this toxic gas. Uh, but, you know, sorry. 
<laughs> Bert, Bert, Bert's kind of an asshole. Yeah, Bert's kind of, Bert is an asshole. You could say he's a slave driver and a cheap son of a bitch who's going bald too. <laughs> Alright, so they call the paramedics. Paramedics come to take a look at the two idiots. Yep. And they're, uh, there's no pulse. They switch uh, stethoscopes. They try on the other person. Still no pulse. It's not their equipment. Their temperature's reading 70 degrees. What's, not to not, what's not that? To mention that not to mention that they're turning gray. Oh, yeah. They look, that's not a sign. They look horrible. Yeah, they look, they look worse and worse. They have no blood pressure. Their uh, body temp is room temp. Yeah, the paramedics don't seem to know what to do, so they're going to go get the stretchers and bring them to the hospital for further testing because, I mean, they're just baffled. They're like, well, these guys are dead, but they're obviously not dead, so uh, let's give them an x-ray or something. Of course. <laughs> so they go get the stretchers, and they're ambushed by, a, like, a horde of zombies. Yep. And see, this is where the movie gets a little weird because we get the... The one zombie, he goes to the the uh, dispatch. Send more paramedics. <laughs> I love that they're talking in this movie because typically you, know, you don't zombies don't typically talk. I love that they're actually you know handing out you know coherent sentences. Yeah, I mean it's a little it's a little strange because you have them talking, they're thinking, they're like using tools. But then in other cases, they're just brain-dead zombies. And they're just going off a pure hungry instinct. Now, I believe at this point that most of the group had gone back to the cemetery. Uh, there's a good... There, all right, so there's a, a couple at the, the cemetery. And that's Tra what... Trash and um, the other... God, there's, there's, there's a couple. That I can't remember their names. Casey and... Yeah, I can't remember the other guy's name. Yeah. So, yeah, so they escape. They end up getting split off when zombies are just everywhere. Yeah. And uh, Casey and the guy that's been trying to bang her the whole movie end up back at the warehouse again. Right. But Trash is still stuck at the cemetery, and that's where she meets her untimely demise. Right. That's where she gets her fantasy fulfilled of the old men surrounding her and eating her. And she doesn't look happy about it. It might, it might have been one of those things on her bucket list that, uh, you know, sh just should have remained a fantasy. And as it's happening, just, eh, this, uh, this kind of sucks. <laughs> this is, this is horrible. <laughs> so then everyone else ends up back at the mortuary. Uh, yep. Spider, uh, we said Tina already, Scuzz. I think that's, I think that's pretty much it. So yeah. they, they start boarding up all the walls. Now... It's very clear that zombies are everywhere and they are a problem. Everyone's boarding up the walls and they decide that Freddy and Frank are possibly a danger to the group. We're not going to kill them, but we're going to lock them up. All right, so they're locking up Freddy and Frank in the wee chapel of the dawn because they don't want to kill them, but they also don't want them to be a danger to the group, so they board them up in there um, as they're going around refortifying all the windows, all the doors. And this is actually where Scuzz gets pulled through one of the windows and he gets his brains ripped out, which was pretty awesome. 
that was a pretty cool scene. Although I feel like he could have put up a little bit better of a fight there. Yeah, I I feel like yeah, he was wearing too much flair to put up a fight. Yeah, normally you can't have enough flair, but I think he had a little too much flair. He had he he must just just been addicted to pins. And I think uh yeah, that's that's a little goofy for uh, for a punk guy. But yeah, so he gets pulled out, his brains get eaten, they end up pulling in half of the zombie that killed him. <laughs> and they tire down onto the embalming table and they actually have a little interview with the dead if you will right because uh, then you know he asks he asks why the um you know why they go after brains and they say it's because of the pain the pain the, the pain, pain of, being, of being dead so yeah i didn't think zombies felt anything apparently they feel a lot of pain yeah i guess it hurts to be dead I guess, I guess so. You can feel yourself rotting. That can't be good. And uh, I guess brains. Brains must be some special kind of protein that is, I guess it's just like Oxycontin or something. Yeah. <laughs> like the zombies. But also, I couldn't help, but, you know, while she's explaining all this stuff, there's totally a zombie boob. Gross boobs. Yes. My note says gross boobs. Yes. So th this is another funny thing, because when I originally saw this movie as a kid, they must have made two different torsos, because there were no boobs on TV, obviously. Freddy's jacket, I don't know if you noticed, but it embroidered on the back, it says, fuck you. Absolutely. I know that's in my notes. Because I never, I didn't notice before, then like, he's, you know, he's running around, I'm like, does that, does that say fuck you on the back? Oh yeah, it says fuck you, but... They made a special jacket knowing that it couldn't get played on TV if it said fuck you. So the other jacket says television version. <laughs> Which is brilliant. That is just, that's just hilarious. Alright, so by this time, the, uh, the police are showing up to find out what's going on with the paramedics that have gone missing. Yeah. They immediately get swarmed by all these zombies who must have been hiding in the bushes. Like, we're talking about at least 50 zombies just hiding, waiting, like, shh, here they come. Yeah, they just attack, they just ambush them from all sides. Yeah, they get swarmed, and then another zombie, he gets the idea, send more cops. <laughs> yeah, I believe we see a zombie trash at this point, too. Yes. So, zombie, so, now, this, they're starting to put up barricades. No, see, that's a little bit later. Because Is right, it? yeah, because right now, we get uh, Frank and Freddy are zombies. Now they're trying to talk their way out of the, uh, the chapel. He's calling for Tina. I can smell your brains. <laughs> and so now... Bert is calling the number on the side of the canister. 1-800-454-8000. Which, fun fact, it's not really that fun. It's not the Army. You get a free roadside assistance uh, message. <laughs> for, it's, for, it's for old people trying to uh, you know fix a flat or something. Yeah. So if you come across one of these canisters... 
Uh, you're shit out of luck unless you uh, got the army on speed dial or you got you can Google real quick. So he he gets the runaround. He's talking to some guy at a barricade. I don't know why they would transfer his call to some guy on the scene. And this is where zombie trash comes. They give her some dramatic music as she saunters onto the scene, fully zombie nude. <laughs> And eats the guy with this completely hideous, like, jaw face. Like, her, her jaw is just, like, gaped wide open. I guess they had to make her a special mask for uh, for that scene. Right. Another thing that they had to specially make her. Originally, her uh, dance on top of the, the grave there, nude. Yep. So, originally, it was, I mean, she's fully nude. But she was actually nude. The producer was visiting the set that day, and he's like, oh, hell no. Look, look at all that bush. Uh, she needs to shave that. So Linnea Quigley actually says that the, this was the most embarrassing part of the ordeal. Not being nude or dance or anything, but then having like to, to shave off her pubic hair. So she shaves her pubic hair. She goes to do the dance again, and the producer goes, oh, my God, you can see everything. <laughs> so now that's a problem. So they actually had to build her this, like, uh, he was calling it a, a Barbie doll, like, codpiece, like, plastic thing to, to cover her, her vagina. So you couldn't, you couldn't see it. So, so yeah, she got fitted with a lot of, a lot of things to keep her naked and zombified. Yeah. Okay, so now the barricades have been broken. It seems like all all is lost. They finally get a call to Mr. Wilson, or Colonel Wilson. Is it Colonel Wilson? I think it's Colonel. Oh, yes, Colonel Glover, actually. So Mr. Wilson is, is Bert. So Mr. Wilson gets transferred to the Colonel, who in turn calls up the, the guys with the synchronized keys because we found the Easter eggs. And they have hatched. So apparently they've been waiting for this day. Yep. And they decide to nuke the town. So we have Ernie and Tina. Now they're locked up into the attic of the mortuary. And Freddy's trying to break up into there. And he's, Tina! Tina! And it's the couple, Casey, her boyfriend, and Bert are locked up in another room and then that's when they can hear the sound of the bomb bomb dropping. Hey, do you hear that? Boom! Nuclear explosion. Uh, the army you gotta, What's you, that? you gotta laugh at the at the giant computer that that, uh, that Colonel Glover has like in his room that basically takes up the entire room. Oh yeah. It, it, super, super funny. Super 80s. That that cabinet is the only thing that they changed about that house. Everything else they left the same. They just brought into that cabinet with all of the uh, the the computer screen, all of the lights, basically just glowing green because nothing screams technology like green glow. Yeah. And he's got that special little phone to basically to bomb wherever they need to bomb. So the army thinks that problem solved. We nuked it. It's good. But just like before, 
all that smoke goes into the atmosphere and now people are complaining about acid rain and we get that cheesy skeleton jumping up again out of the grave and it's party time yeah it's just it looks like they were just they were just like missiles fired out of a cannon right like out of a tank yeah it was just like this giant giant gun sticking up out of the ground yeah so it was it wasn't like they you know flew over and just dropped a bomb on the on the town it was you know it's like we're just gonna fire a couple uh tanks and that'll take care of it yeah we've got the coordinates we know this bomb can get there no problem yeah but there were there was like this is in the 80s so like you know there was that whole nuclear war cold war scare everyone was scared of nukes right i mean it wasn't wasn't like the uh cuban missile crisis or anything but right. i mean there's still that still that scare so yeah, yeah the, so we it, what the, the, the funny the, the like the funny thing about the whole like nuke it is you know it's like this you see it off in the distance that mushroom cloud thing where it doesn't look like it did much damage to any anybody else and all of a sudden the houses that are like close to you just all of a sudden just like start to like disintegrate oh yeah that that blast was was awesome yeah so yeah then it all just just rains and rains and you know you get into the cemetery and where, yeah uh, and they come back up and this is a perfect point so the zombie comes up and is do you want a party <laughs> this soundtrack was phenomenal I love that ending. Love that ending shot of him coming out of the out of the cemetery. And it's just jaws. Just His like, jaw opens, and it's the same exact shot they used earlier in the movie when the zombies originally came up. Right. One one thing that we uh, I wanted I meant to say and I I forgot. I think one of my favorite scenes was one of the zombies was just like sitting on the ground eating one of the paramedic brains, and then the other one comes over. Then he starts running after him. So I don't know, like, if he lost half his legs or if it was a midget zombie, but it was, like, the best zombie ever. He was actually a, uh, yeah, he didn't have legs. Yeah, so he just kind of, like, stumbles, like, like friggin', like, mini-me after after this guy. Yeah, that was that was an actor they found that, that didn't have legs. So, yeah, stuff like that is awesome. So what, do you, what did you think about it? I love this movie. I think it's a, it's a cult, cult classic. Probably the best one of the first three, obviously, in my opinion. I thought the effects were, were pretty good. I, I, I give it, I'll give it a four and a half. Four and a half? Four and a half brains. I might be giving it an extra half a brain just because of nostalgia, but I love this movie. I mean, everything about it is awesome. You get the kills are cool. The soundtrack is so fitting. Yeah. Yeah, five brains. Five, five brains? Five brains. It gets the full five. It's hoping for a little more boobage, but, you know, can't always have it. Linnea Quigley was naked throughout the whole movie. And you get your zombie boobs. Don't get greedy with the boobs, okay? You can't, you can't not be greedy about the boobs. Speaking of boobs, that brings us to... Horror Babe of the Month. Yes, it is uh, the mistress of the dark, Elvira. Elvira, who has been Elvira since we've been born, 1981. Cassandra Peterson started playing the role of Elvira, and she has been continuing to do that every year. Uh, horror icon, which is why yeah, we chose her for our first horror, babe. 
She does. Um, she still does the uh, convention circuit too, I believe. I do. Uh, yeah. So I think uh, now she's doing it more as just Cassandra Peterson. Right. But yeah, I mean, everyone knows who she is. She's been around long enough for everyone to know. She started out at 17 years old as a showgirl in Vegas. She uh, kind of flubbed her her resume a bit there. She dated Elvis. She was in Diamonds Are Forever, the James Bond movie. One of my favorites. Classic. Uh, she was a lead singer of some Italian rock band. Oh, the um, the Groundlings, I believe they were called. I don't know. I'll have to. I'll have to look that up. I. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, I know. That's. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm confusing that with. Um, that's an improv group. <laughs> okay. So anyway, she's done. She's done a lot of things. And then, uh, Fright Night were, host. The, the Sinister... band was called the Snails. What's that? The band was called the Snails. The Snails. Okay. Latin eighty. Latin's eighty and the Snails. So Fright Night host Sinister Seymour died, and the network was looking for a, a new horror host. So that's when Vampira took over. And she did it for a little bit. She didn't want to really do that. So Elvira, not Elvira, Cassandra Peterson came about, and her original idea was to be the uh, Sharon Tate role from Fearless vampire killers, but the you know the whole Sharon Tate and the the Manson murders. I guess they yeah. found that a little tasteless, so she had to come up with a new idea. So she did this Valley Girl kind of vampire homage, and she called it Elvira, and it became a huge hit. Vampire actually tried to sue her and lost because the judge said just because she has a like she's wearing black, that's not you. Yeah. Like, other people can wear black, too, okay? And push up their boobs and talk about horror films. So they actually ended up changing it from Fright Night to Elvira's movie Macabre. And the rest is history. Yes, and even as of a couple of years ago, um, she has a new uh, comic book series. As of 2017, I believe. Nice. Yeah, so uh, she's she's had a couple of movies. She's had a couple of... Music albums, obviously reoccurring television series. She's been all over horror for the past, I hate to say it, almost 40 years. Yep. We're old, man. We're, we, we are definitely old. We're old. Yeah, so, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it, unless you want to add anything that you might have forgotten about. Nope, that's that's about all I got. Um, I don't know. What are we, uh, what are we thinking for our next movie? I don't know. I, th I think we'll leave that for a, a surprise, but we'll, we'll come up with something good and we'll tear it apart and let you know what we think. We'll put everything in the show notes where you can hear us. Uh, we'll post pictures of Elvira up on our various social media. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a couple good ones that I want to. I want to put up there. Before we go, I'd just like to give a special shout out, thank you, to Lauren Gilligan for the amazing artwork for our logo. Raina, Norm's soon-to-be final girl, thank you for your help on the intro. And a very special thanks 
to Jenna and Susan, our wives and very own final girls. Thanks for putting up with our nerdy asses. Now, are you a fan of the dead? Follow us on Twitter at fansofthedead1, that's the number one. Send us feedback, comments, or suggestions for future films for us to break down. Sideshowclown at gmail.com. That's S-I-D-E-S-H-O-W-K-L-O-W-N at gmail.com. So, yeah, that's it, man. Everybody, uh, have fun. Be safe. Remember the three Bs? Or... <laughs> the three Bs. <laughs> blood, blood, beast, and breast? Yeah. <laughs> okay, Joe Bob. <laughs> Is that a copyright infringement? I think that might be. We'll uh, we'll, we'll cut that one out. <laughs> They're words. You can say words. <laughs> they are just words. They're three B words. There's many, many, many B words. Badass. We'll, have to come up with our, we'll, we'll, we'll come up with our own uh, three Bs. <laughs> Badasses, bitches, and bloodiness. all right that's it i'm mike he's jeremy we are fans of the dead catch you next time peace